0: becoming man doesn't just affect the here and now. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio, and a blessed nativity season to you. Pardon us if we sometimes use Christmas or something else as a familiar reference. What we mean is the incarnation, the incident 2,000 years ago when God the Son entered the world as one of us. That was a momentous event, much more significant than we realize most of the time. It shapes our future. It shakes heaven itself. Here's Jim.
1: What I want to talk about tonight is is about the celebration of Christmas and about the angels and their role in all that. There was a wonderful editorial a couple of weeks ago. And what the editor said was that, uh, well, let me read it to you. These are his words. The editor writes, Thanksgiving is a special holiday. In some ways, it does a better job of promoting the Christmas spirit than does Christmas. On Thanksgiving, we are reminded to note and savor our blessings and to reach out in generosity to our neighbors and our community. Unlike Christmas, The only gifts that are expected at Thanksgiving are ones that most can provide without piling up a mountain of debt, gifts of time, companionship, good cheer, food. Thanksgiving is the holiday calm before the storm of feverish Christmas commercialism, consumerism, gift buying, anxiety that that traditionally descends on the nation the very next day. On Thanksgiving, we gather with friends and family to strengthen bonds of love, friendship, sometimes after long absences. Many times, a place is made for newcomers to the gathering thanks to the marriages and births that have enlarged the family since last Thanksgiving. It's amazing, he ends, this is a wonderful holiday, there's much to be thankful for, have a good one." End of quote. When I first read it, I felt offended, but then I thought, well, the whole point of the article that's not stated is that Thanksgiving is not Christmas. We don't celebrate the same thing at Christmas time. And while all of us decry and all of us are upset with the pressure and commercialism and all of those things that are part of the, war, the celebration of Christmas, yet that's really not the purpose for a Christmas celebration. Or to put it another way, if making my neighbor and family happy, And if meeting material needs of my friends and neighbors is the goal of the Christian life, then Thanksgiving would outrank Christmas. But that's not what Christmas is all about. As far as I know, no one has been able to prove exactly what the date of Jesus' birth was, but that's not why we celebrate Christmas. We're celebrating an event that transcends the date. And to put that in perspective for the next few moments, now, I'd like to talk to you about why were the angels so happy the night Jesus was born and laid in a manger? I mean, on first blush, <laughs> you, you'd say, you know, they got no dog in that fight. Why do they even mess with it? it? Why do they even take time to come down and speak to the shepherds, to praise God in the presence of the shepherds, to make sure the shepherds understand where and who is lying in a manger just beyond the ridge? They don't have a dog in that fight, so why are they so excited? But you know, the more I thought about it, the more I realized how very critical the birth of Jesus was for the angels. Would you track with me for a few moments tonight? Start with me first, please, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, Hebrews, chapter 2. Here the writer of Hebrews is comparing Jesus with the angels. He's making the point that Jesus is far, far, far superior to the angels. Chapter 2, verse 5. For he, that's God, has not subjected to angels the world to come that we are talking about. And then he quotes the psalm. What is man that you remember him, the son of man that you take care of him? You made him lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor and subjected everything under his feet. Commentary. For in subjecting everything to him, to man, God left nothing not subject to him. As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to Him, but we do see Jesus made a little lower than the angels for a short time, so that by God's grace, He might taste death for everyone. We see Him crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. The thing I want you to take from that verse is that the angels do have a dog in this fight. God's purpose in creation was to create a being, man, male and female, who would be made in his image after his likeness and to whom God could assign the stewardship of all that he had created, and that includes angels. The angels know that. The angels were delighted to see a work in progress whereby God would appoint someone to be the head man, and that that head man and those connected with him would be the ones ruling over the angels. Now tuck that in your mind. We'll go back to it. Turn over to chapter 9 of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9. Here it's talking about the superiority of the, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his, his, his death. And in chapter 9 of Hebrews, there's this interesting look sideways. It's not the main point of the passage, but it is a very interesting insight. Hebrews 9, verse 23, Hebrews 9, 23, Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves to be purified with better sacrifices than these." Now, what he's saying is that the Lord Jesus Christ, in His sacrifice, in His death, accomplished a work that the sacrificing of bulls and heifers and rams and lambs could not accomplish, that while the animal sacrifices had a sphere of influence in the economy of God over the copies, they couldn't purify the original things in heaven of which those earthly tabernacle, temple things, articles, were copies. You get that? You see that? Now, if I might be so bold tonight, that says that when Satan defected and Adam fell, something happened in heaven. Something happened in heaven that made heaven less perfect than it had been. And then when God commanded Moses, to build the tabernacle, he provided symbols in the tabernacle and the instruments, symbols, earthly symbols, where the sacrifices and oblations and offerings and prayers were made. Those were earthly symbols to represent on earth, in a minor sense, the major realities of those things in the heavens themselves. You see that? And for some reason, in some way, those heavenly things themselves, of which the earthly tabernacle and worship service were copies, the heavenly things themselves needed a better sacrifice to be purified. I, I, I don't know what all that means. And as I said, the passage is kind of sideward glance. The passage doesn't go on to explain what those things are and doesn't answer all the questions that at least come to my mind when I read it, but it does say this. It says that the pollution of sin through Satan's defection and Adam's fall had its effect in heaven. And someone needed to qualify to be a sacrifice of sufficient magnitude that through that sacrifice the heavenly things themselves could be purified and that's exactly what the bible tells us jesus did and sometimes we're so earthbound you know we we think of christmas you know kind of here on the earth But these two verses open the door to two new vistas. The first one says that the birth of the baby who lies in the manger affects the ages to come and the dominion of all God's created things, including angels, archangels, cherubim. If it's created, God's intent is that man, man, ultimately rule, administer over all those things. And since angels are part of that, they've got some concerns. And when they saw the baby in the manger and knew what had happened, that excited them. Uh, They didn't want to spend their future years under the domination of someone like Lucifer. And they understood that the career of the one in the babe, the babe in the manger, that that his career was decidedly on a collision course with their future. Interesting. It also uh, gives us another vista, and that is that the, the birth of the baby in the manger had to do with heaven itself that there were things in heaven that needed to be purified. And for them to be purified, there had to be a redeemer, a sacrifice, one born of Adam's race who could atone for and reverse the process of corruption and rebellion that Adam and Eve let loose in the human race. Interesting. There may be many other things that God had in mind when he sent John a Christmas card. Yeah, John was on the Isle of Patmos. Things hadn't been going well for the Church of Jesus Christ, and God sent John A Christmas card. Revelation chapter 12. Look at it with me for a moment. Here's another reason the angels exalted God at the birth of Jesus. Revelation chapter 12. John sees two great signs. The first one. Verse 1. Great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony to give birth." That's the first sign. Now, let me tell you, that woman represents the nation of Israel, and that pregnancy is the pregnancy God gave to Mary. Verse 2, She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. His tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth birth. What a birthday card. I bet no one has any of those. No one's ever sent you a birthday, uh, I mean a Christmas card that reflects that, right? A picture of the manger, Mary in travail, and standing in the shadows, this huge, ugly, fiery red dragon. He is standing in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that when she did give birth, he might devour her child. Merry Christmas. She gave birth to a son, a male who is going to shepherd all nations with an iron scepter. And her child was caught up to God and to His throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be fed there for 1,260 days. There was a dragon at the manger. And probably his presence there is best symbolized by what Herod did when he unleashed his troops into Bethlehem to kill all the male child, every male child two years and under. And, of course, Herod got his cue from the Magi who came from the East and asked, where is he that is born King of the Jews? And you know the rest of the story. And Satan became one of the dragon's most prolific servants in seeking to exterminate the baby before the baby grew up. So there's your Christmas card tonight. The angels knew that in that quiet scene where Mary is giving birth stood the king of darkness, the prince of evil, and that he was absolutely determined to destroy the child. Why? Well, because the child he knew was a threat to his future, too. And by the way, that's what the whole rest of the book of the Revelation talks about. Starting here in chapter 12, going through 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, all of those chapters basically focus on the struggle between the dragon and the man-child. And there's some fascinating things that you'll find if you look through that passage. And that passage also focuses in on that 1,260 days. Now, that 1,260 days is the last three and a half years of what we call the tribulation period. It's that time when Satan is given by God, when the dragon is permitted by God to give his best shot at conquering the world, at bringing all the world's people under his sway, and making it impossible for God to fulfill his plan of ultimate redemption and salvation. See, the angels knew that. They did have a dog in this fight. And look what happens. Now, what you have in those first several verses, uh, those first six verses, you have a telescoped view Of the pregnancy of Mary, all the way up to in time, all the way up to the time when her descendants, as we read, she she has a place prepared by God to be fed there. She flees into the wilderness, and what's Satan's experience? What's the dragon's experience? Well, he's been trying all that time to destroy her seed, to destroy the nation to whom God made the promises. He was born King of the Jews, not King of Rome, not President of the United States, King of the Jews. And the specific promise was made to Mary, and the angel said, he shall, he shall sit upon the throne of his father David, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So there was no question about the Jewishness of the child lying in the manger. And no question that He came into the world to eventually rule all nations with a rod of iron. No question about that. And no question that a part of that would mean the total destruction of Satan. And that's what the rest of these chapters the book of Revelation talk about. Look at it with me. Verse 7, War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought but could not prevail, and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. Could that be the pollution that needed to be cleaned out of heaven? Probably a part of it. But at that point, the dragon no longer has access. The dragon, the dragon no longer has access to the very presence of God. He is banished to the earth along with His angels, those who have chosen to follow
0: Him. Hebrews and Revelation, not the usual Christmas sermon texts. Pastor Jim is showing us that the common vision of the coming holiday is too small in every dimension. The birth of Jesus didn't just impact all of human history, but our future especially and the destiny of angels. And there's more to come on Monday when we conclude the message, Why Were the Angels Happy? If you'd like to have the talk on CD, we'll send it your way for a gift of $7 or more. It is not part of our Hebrews series, which we've suspended for the moment. If you would, please carve out a few minutes in all your holiday hurry to visit our website, rightstartradio.org. You'll find a link to get signed up for the daily podcast, and that's a good way to stay in the flow when your routine is scrambled. You can email us, hear tons of sermons and radio shows. Don't forget the radio or the org in the address rightstartradio.org. One of the important things you can do there is to make a secure online donation. It's just about the end of the year, which is one of the points in time when we strategize about the near future, based in part on how the support is coming in. We hope many of you will come through for us just now. Thanks for considering that. Rightstartradio.org, or if you'd rather contact us by mail, reach us at RightStart, P.O. Box 437-437. Worthington, Ohio, 43085 USA, or call toll-free 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Have a great weekend. On Monday, we'll think more about how the Incarnation changed both heaven and earth. We'll dive into part two of why were the angels happy. Please join us then for the next Right Start. Thank you.